Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for May 17th of 2019. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHeads.com. Uh, welcome back from our two, three-week hiatus. Yeah, my bad. Sorry, everyone. I moved house. Yeah, he moved, <laughs> but then um, when he was actually settled, it was Mother's Day. So um, that was a non-starter. Yeah, that's an unsequitur to that one. And um, so that's why we were off. Uh, So nothing bad. It just, you know, sometimes life is what it is. But um, lots of playoff stuff. Um, Penguins, uh, you know, we'll catch up on everything that uh, has been surrounding that, including some trade rumors (laughs) and other such things. And um, I think we're going to lead off with the most recent coaching hire, and that is the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, hiring Ralph Kruger, formerly of Southampton in the English Premier League. Uh, oh, yeah. And um, and also Team Europe at the World Cup, who finished with silver. And he had one year during the lockout shortened season in Edmonton. And then they fired him, but all the players loved him. <laughs> yeah, so, I've, I've read all of those quotes, and it's like, what is going on? But... You just made that right answer there. Classic Edmonton. Um, so I personally think very highly of the hire. Um, of course, you know, it all depends on how things go. But when you make the actual decision, you can only go on the variables that you know at the time. And what we know now is Ralph Kruger is an excellent communicator of what he wants. He has the respect of all players it really sounds like something that the Sabres desperately needed coming off of Phil Housley where everybody was just like, all right, what the fuck ever with this guy. Um, and also Dan Bilesma having a tepid relationship at best with Jack Eichel. So Yeah, you kind of can't afford to have that. <laughs> so just from a communication and um, attitude standpoint and, and – pressing the players to to play their best and i think he's going to be the type of coach that isn't going to be worrying about oh well this guy made a mistake so i'm going to harp on that it's more so all right yeah that that did that was a screw up but let's let's focus on what we can do what you can do well and i love that approach i i think the other thing for me is that um he seems willing to well, you look back at when he was in Edmonton, he seems willing to take on information. And the beautiful thing about what you hear about Kruger is he takes that information in. So we'll just say he takes the, the data that he's given from his analysts and can transform that into something that's relatable or understandable to the players. So it's it's one thing to, to have the information there, but to just give it as a whole big data dump to the end user is useless you've got to translate it into stuff that's workable for them to go oh okay so i need to do x better or y better or be over here instead of being where i have been and um kruger has shown that he can do that um and with a team that the stars on that team are begging to be good i think we might see an interesting transformation in that that buffalo roster at the start of the year. The question is, is it going to be deep enough to continue to improve? Um, but that's all on all on bottle now. The hire is a good hire. 
Yeah, I, I do. And, you know, what's the alternative here? Another retread like Todd McClellan, who I think, is he in L.A. now? I don't even remember. He got hired yeah, by somebody. Yeah. Elaine Vigneault's in Philly. Um, somebody else is in Philly, too. It's 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 amazing how... I don't know what it's like in the other pro leagues, because I don't follow them close enough, but it's amazing how often this league is so fearful of doing something new at the coaching level, and they just re- rehash everybody. <laughs> Technically, he's go, a rehash, too. <clears throat> not, no, I realize that. You've got no sample size if you want to go and be silly about you know, using words and stuff, but he, he gets... Um, they just don't... Like, if all these other coaches have been fired, well, theoretically, they've been bad at their job at some point, so why are you going back to them? I don't know why they don't expand... Drill the well a little deeper and look for some different talent. And I'm glad that Kruger's got a chance to have another crack. Um, hopefully it works. Um, because Buffalo's a good market, and it's always good when they're good, because revenue goes up. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, he's got quite a resume. Um, people... I, being in Western New York, there are some things and people, and um, I see on Facebook from friends and other things making fun of Sabres hired a soccer coach, and it's like, no, not, not really. He's a hockey guy that a multi-billion-dollar league gave him the keys to run a franchise in like one of the biggest leagues in the world because of his um, mind and. You know, some of that is analytical. So, and I want to harp back on your point that you made about being a communicator, using the analytics, but then speaking the player's language and pushing them towards what the analytics are telling you, but you don't have to be like robotic about it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you don't don't talk to them about about Corsi, You, you talk to them about the actions that lead to better Corsi. Yeah, you don't, you don't even you don't you. mention the stats at all, but the no. fact he's going to look at them and use them, this is going to be a huge, huge change, I think, for the Sabers, especially when we think about. Well, we don't know what's going to happen with Rasmus Ristolainen yet, but my bet is he's not going to be used the way that he's been used in the past, o- overly relied on with if he's still on the team this year. Yeah, just just quickly with that. You and I, a bugbear of ours is that the Penguins' third pairing costs six bazillion dollars to, to get just throw out on the ice, right? If Ristol Island... If Ristol Island played as a third pairing D-man and second power play unit defenseman... No, I think he'd the still be first power play, because he's not bad there. I just thought they'd go for a four-and-one unit. That's oh, all. And well, maybe... That's that's all, and it's that's the only reason I, I said it because if they do go a three and two, he's on the first first unit. That's fine. Um, are you okay with the allocation of money? Like that's just the only thing. Do you just get there at the moment and go? Well, if you play him as a third line pairing, um, he you're going to get more value out of him anyway. So he gets closer to that that five. Is, is he on five? Well, five and a half. I can't five remember. and a half. But he gets. Yeah, he gets close to that value. Because five and a half is a lot for a third-pairing defenseman. That's all. And, yeah, you're going to get more out of him. But it is an interesting thought of, well, what's our salary cap allocation going on here? So I'll be curious to see how it washes out. 
Um, salary cap's not irrelevant for the Sabres, but kind of a little bit more so than some other teams. So yeah. the cap hit really is not too bad. To, but at the same time, what we've talked about in the past with the Brandon Sutters and stuff like that, perceived in and Alimata, who we'll talk about, um, perceived value is higher than actual value. So you don't want to sit on that. I feel as though if you're going to play him on a third pairing, which, you know, he might deserve, uh, you might as well just move him in and try to uh, get a better player back. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's funny, that value of a better player could be another third line, another third pairing defenseman, but it only costs half the rate, and therefore you can do other things on your roster. So that it's not necessarily a better player, you just find somebody that fits the, the hole you're trying to fill oh, in your I roster. Think, I think he could get a borderline impact player. I could see Talon getting twisted into some weird <laughs> Huberdeau trade if he gets Panarin. I could oh, see God. the Oilers yeah. easily. Actually, you know, you want to know what? Ryan Nugent Hopkins was one of the Oilers players interviewed about Kruger, and he said yeah. that was one of the worst things that's happened, his firing, since since he's come in the league. Oh, he's asking his, to get shipped out. So, he's asking to get shipped. Um, wrist aligning for Nugent Hopkins. There you go. You're welcome. <laughs> and there it is. Boom. So there's really nothing bad I can say about the hire because even if it doesn't work, they're trying something different, something that's not a retread, and retread is not going to help Buffalo. Buffalo needs change, a different they need a different angle on things. And I think they deserve credit. Batterell deserves credit for taking this particular angle at this particular time. He's almost at. I suppose he had to do something a little different at this point. What's this? Is this year three of the Botterill crack? Yeah. He's so got. He's, he's got to make hay this summer. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I was headed with it. It's like I think he's year three, so he's going to have to see some improvement. That's not just a PDO run. Like he, this team has to actually be better this upcoming season, or <clears throat> excuse me, he may not have. Might not have a job. <laughs> yeah, well, and, you know, that would be kind of deserved. Although, all right, so Botterill got fucked by his boss. Fucked over by his boss. Not literally fucked by his boss. That would be weird. <laughs> Thank you for uh, the clarification. That would be weird. Um, when I truly, in my heart of hearts, believe the Ryan O'Reilly trade was forced from a time standpoint. It was a bonus because thing, they didn't it? want to yeah. pay the cash. They made the trade late on June 30th when July 1st, Pagula was going to have to shell out $7.5 million in cash. You can't trade the Ryan O'Reilly's of the world and dump them off for nothing. Literally nothing. Sabatka and Berglund suck. Tej Thompson sucks. The first round pick, well, (laughs) St. Louis is in the motherfucking... Conference, conference finals, finals, although I don't know if it's St. Louis's pick or not. I think it is. Um, and it wasn't lottery protected, which was weird. When St. Louis was sucking really bad, I'm like, oh, maybe the Sabres will make out here. Nope, lottery protected. Yeah. Um, 
you can't even get that not lottery protected. Like, talk about a rush trade. So you lose Ryan O'Reilly, a Selkie candidate, for nothing. But at the same time, you get Rasmus Dahlin for nothing in a luck, something that usually doesn't happen for the Sabres. And you <laughs> um, steal Jeff Skinner for nothing. So um, I think at the end of the day, all that might, it evens out or maybe even still leaves the Sabres on the right side of the ledger. So, yeah, Botterill's got to um, make things happen. Um, here's a suggestion that I personally would make to the Buffalo Sabres if they were, um, obviously, they got Ralph Kruger, a little bit of a, more of an analytical approach, at least on the coaching level. Botterill's probably not immune to looking at things. Um, hire Ryan Stimson, who's in your backyard, who's doing some of the best work out there. Hello. <laughs> like, yeah. It seems pretty obvious to me, but whatever. Uh, I don't know. It's interesting how there's still strong pushback about the use of numbers in this sport, it, it, particularly when it comes to the playoffs. The amount of ex-players or ex-managers or people in the media who are like, See, numbers don't matter. Yeah, it's but they don't matter. And grit. It, they don't matter in the sense that, like, for example, I saw the Colorado Avalanche just put a full-time data analyst position up there um, to help up with um, Dawson Spriggins and um, Eric Parnas. Yeah. And uh, no, it's just it's so the Avs are in on this. Yeah, there's still a push against it, is what I mean, and I can't understand why. And you, and while there is a push against it. You should be a team that's at the front edge of it, and to get any advantage you can. But uh, Buffalo could start, um, could really make a move here, and um, you know I, I say that because I think with this coaching hire it kind of opens up a little more, not of a pushback at least for them, with with the Kruger hire. So yeah, go go get Stimson. Yeah, his work's the best. You want. You want to fuck other teams over? Make him take down his tableau. <laughs> It'll fuck me over. And, yeah, it's you know, for I'll, us. I'll give Ryan a hard time about that, but at the same time. Because <laughs> Ryan, the Devils have already, um, they got Dello, they just got Matt Kane. So it's further examples of, you know, some teams are going all in on it. And yeah. um, I know Ryan's a, a Devils fan, but. You know, Kaner, Kaner took your spot, Rye. You're going to have to get a couple. <laughs> and Matt Kane, excellent person, super, super bright. Like, he is super smart, and you feel dumber talking to him because he's that smart. <laughs> and um, You're supposed to feel smarter after talking to him. Good God. <laughs> no, well, you do. I'm just in the moment. I'm like, you know what? I don't really have as much to add to this conversation. <laughs> but he never makes you feel that way. Um, he's a great person. I was very thrilled to see that um, hiring. And with Dello and him there, and um, uh, I for, forgive me, they have the poker player, Sonny Mata. Yeah, Mata, I think that's it. Mata. Yeah. Yep. Um, Ray Sherrill, look at him go. Yeah. I mean, it, he's open to it. Didn't look like he was yeah, he, doing much of it in the 2013-14-ish, and especially not two seconds for Doug Murray, but 
you know, <laughs> moving forward, maybe he's learned some some lessons. Well, and that's that's important in any job that you learn from, you know, mistakes or perceived mistakes, and that you you go into anything with open eyes. So if if Shiro quite clearly has gotten on board, it's definitely different than his time in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And uh, his superstar is big into stats. Taylor Hall is one of the more, um, he's one of the hockey players that's, you can tell he knows what he's talking about with this stuff and enjoys that talking about help. it. That does help. That does help in regards to the dynamic, doesn't it? If, you're, if your number one guy is all over it and enjoys being all over it, then that really helps. And they got number one pick with Jack Hughes, likely. At least I think Todd Cordell, my hockey buzz counterpart, believes that. And it's not a bad selling point to say to Taylor Hall, hey, look at these hires we're making. We're really trying here. And we get Jack Hughes, so you can play with him or Nico Hughes here. Um, Devils, I can't. Ah, oh, man, I've hated him for so long. And Yeah. <laughs> wouldn't you know it, I, I got a lot of respect for them going right now. So um, kudos to the Devils right now for turning my lifelong hatred um, to neutral. <laughs> that's a long way because that's a big line to get from where you've been on the Devils to where you are now. Um, so still fuck the Islanders. They do nothing for me. Um, that might sound bitter after the sweep, but no, that really doesn't have no. anything to do with it. I just think they're a boring-ass franchise. <laughs> and Lou Lamarillo can take, take a long a walk off a short pier with his stupid fucking beard and facial hair rules and anti-fun he's a fucking loser i know i've said that before but anyways i have no doubt at some point it will be said again <laughs> i know i can't <laughs> can't help myself so yeah should be interesting to see what the sabers do um that makes it um really cool hire i know um a lot of people are excited here in Western New York about that hire because it was a, just a change of direction. We're so used to the Bills and Sabres playing it safe, so to speak, and yeah, getting the same shit results sprinkled in with maybe some luck here and there. Uh, but, yeah, even if it doesn't work out, I would rather go outside the box and fail than play it safe and fail. Yeah, that makes sense. I, 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 yeah, I'd much rather have a crack than, than sit back and go, oh, what if? I mean, they're at least going to know what if. I mean, I think the ceiling's higher with the Kruger higher than any of the other retreads. So. Yeah, <clears throat> I agree with that, absolutely. So, yeah. Shall we transfer over to our team? Yes, let's have a look at this mess. So where do we leave off? <laughs> where do we start? It's been three weeks. I, I think where we left off is about where we're going to start, which is Rutherford's an idiot. I think it's generally <laughs> where we're at. Well, I wasn't going to go throwing names out there. But... Oh, I am. He's not really going to come and get me. Look yeah, where I am. What specific... I'm, country, I'm country Victoria now. <laughs> what specific reason are we starting with? It doesn't feel like he knows what he's doing. For me, personally, that's it, it literally feels like he's just grabbed a pile of mud in his hand and he's thrown it up there, and whatever sticks and whatever looks like a person to trade, he's going to trade them. And I'm just like, there's no rhyme or reason to this. It, it, this worked fine back in the 80s when everybody was working like this. I just 
don't think it works now. And yeah, he hits and trades out of the ballpark. But, you know, a clock's right twice a day if it's broken. So, uh. I think I know where to start. I'm looking back at some of my articles from uh, since the last podcast. All right, so you, you said aimless, kind of whatever sticks, and he certainly has always been willing to undo maybe mistakes that he's made. Which is, um, that, yeah, that's a plus and a positive in itself. It can be, except here's the problem. He's been wasteful with his futures. And for a win-now team, what better way to get better without giving up something from your current roster than to use futures? And he's done that. He's done it really poorly, though. Yeah, he's, he's, just, he's thrown away assets to tidy up mistakes. So, you know, it started with David Perron for a first. I don't hate that trade. David Perron got cold, but as you can see, last year in Vegas, this year with St. Louis, he's a good player. A mid-20s pick for that. That's fine. Um, Turned into Carl Hagelin, who certainly was a monster in the 2016 run. And then was always good four-checker, fast. Offense really dried up. So I'm not going to squabble over that, but... I was just pointing out, as soon as he got to the job, he started trading futures. And at the beginning of this run, you know, you still have the ability to navigate both short and long-term aspects of the roster. And some people, because I wrote recently, the Penguins should trade the 21st pick. And I was called a hypocrite because you always say don't trade all your futures. And it's like... Well, you know, not for nothing, but things do change. He's traded away so many futures, and this, the Crosby-Malkin window is towards the end. You can't be waiting on prospects anymore. The argument I was making was three, four years ago, maybe, you know, find a balance here. But we're, yeah, we, we're you're past. past that now. We are yeah. past the point of no return. Once you go past that, you might as well just push all your chips in, and that would be me trading that 21st overall pick. Because I went and looked at 21st overall picks from the last, well, since I graduated high school in 2000, Anton Volchenkov being the 21st pick. And, um, oh, wow. <laughs> a name I know. Yeah. It wasn't good. The names were <laughs> not good. And very few of them were even NHL players, let alone any kind of impact. So what are you going to do? Hope that this 21st overall player is on the roster in two years and playing significant minutes? Or do you package it together with someone like Hornquist or Mata and get something meaningful in return? And I just think, like, the next step for the Penguins, like, Rutherford was dead set on keeping the pick, which I was... I guess I was fine with not wasting it at the deadline, rushing it, but actually making the pick, like, I don't know what you think you're going to get. I suppose anything could happen, but you really going to go in on that low probability? Well, that's the, the thing you've got. Uh, as we know, the the Crosby-Malkin are awesome every game window is getting smaller and smaller, and... and um, harder and harder to get every single game, you kind of have to throw caution to the wind now 
Like, when he started, he needed to not... You're right. The prospects, draft picks for some of his trades were, were fine. Process-driven in that sense of what they were. No problem with that as a decision at all. But you, you have to hit on every one. Do you know what I mean? Like, you have to, you have to get a positive result out of every one. And nobody's that good. This isn't a criticism of Rutherford. This is just the reality of it. So you, you can't just throw them away all the time without at least getting even a lower draft pick back from the same draft or something like that. So you can then recycle them through. It's literally been assets... Uh, at, the amount of assets that have left that have compared to come in have been higher. So you're quite clearly going to have a deficit of, of assets left to trade with. And then you're left with going, well, I can't add an asset to something we want to ship out because I don't have anything of value that somebody is going to want. Yeah, he's in a spot now. He's out of futures and taking things from the current roster while still improving the team is a very difficult task for any general manager. Yeah, this isn't just, it's not just a yeah, Rutherford thing. It's it's tough. I mean, Rutherford put himself in this situation, so that, that That's needs to the be problem. said. <laughs> but any general manager in this situation would find it difficult. The key is to not find yourself in this situation. And not for nothing, Rutherford had one of the most beneficial situations to navigate. Yeah, so he really shouldn't be in this spot. And nope. so I'm going to go through some of the draft picks that he's traded the last since 2017. Um, and this is going to highlight what I feel like is a lot of waste because a lot of these trades he's making, like everybody in the in a bubble thought, oh. Bugstad and McCann, good trade. You know, in a bubble? Sure. But what led to the Bugstad-McCann trade? And it was trading 2017 first, 2018 first, 2018 third, another 2018 third, the one from Ottawa for Broussard, 2019 second, 2019 third, 2019 fourth. So after the first round this year, the Penguins don't have a pick until... um, the fourth round round. 55 yeah a long time and next year's 2022nd which they had to trade because he just had to give mark andre Fleury a no movement clause so not only did he trade trade in everybody listening knows our thoughts and feelings on Fleury. um Fleury's still a player that shouldn't have brought negative value and i know it was a unique situation but it was one of their own doing because of the um, contract. Also, you trade out Oscar Sundquist, who, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I thought he was going to be a meaningful third-line center. No, but it was for Ryan Reeves. Yeah, and a first round. Ah, Keep going. So, Pouliot, you know, he was a bust. Um, Certainly, I thought that they should have at least found out more about him at the time. But he's at $1 million player, and he's better than Jack Johnson. That's the hilarious thing about it. Everybody's labeled him out as a bust, yet his results are better than Jack Johnson. And he's cheaper. Cheap, 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 cheap. Um, Philip Gustafson, he's kind of struggling in the AHL, but he was uh, his value at the time was relatively good. Ian Cole, you know, they couldn't wait to get him out of town, yet they gave, like, Jack Johnson and Eric Goodbranson Ian Cole money. And he yes. was fine. He was a fine penguin. He was okay. 
that's the thing when you look at some of these uh, deals. Like like you said, it's like he's chasing his tail to try and recover from an error. And it's like, why didn't if you're going to pay Jack Johnson X and, and Ian Cole was already in the system, already fit, and his results are better than Jack Johnson's. Because Mike Sullivan what? didn't like him. And Mike Sullivan appears to be having problems with more and more <clears throat> players. So, you know, hint, hint. Maybe fire the coach in December so they can win a Stanley Cup because that's what they do. Well, it seems to be what works in Pittsburgh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it seems yeah. like when the coach is having all these issues with players, um, this isn't to say, and it should be very clear, I don't think Mike Sullivan's a bad coach, but unless you're awesome, adios. You're pissing off guys like Malkin and Kessel. You can call Malkin and Kessel babies or whatever. I got news for you. Guess guess which ones are harder to replace. Wow, that's exactly right. So make them happy. That's it's the, really fun. That's modern professional sports. Either accept it or whine like a baby boomer. I don't know what so else to say. The coach that's been there the longest was Bilesma. He seemed to be the one coach in amongst all the Penguins coaches that they've had that could communicate well with the players and got along well with the players to the point where it was almost like he was too close to them and that was why he couldn't well, at least make the tough shitty ones. Yeah, but he couldn't make tough decisions and that personal relationship with the players is what did him in, in the at least in my opinion. Sullivan doesn't appear to have anything of a relationship with the players that he needs to and yeah it seems cold and just is it just seems like Tortorella nasty which is a big thing to say I suppose well who, and who, who do you work with forever correct that's right and so if you're one of the better players on the team and the finger's constantly being pointed at you and management isn't helping you get better players around you, at some point, I think it's human nature that you just go, oh, fuck you, I'm not going to listen to you anymore. And yeah, how about you fuck you? I play with Jack Johnson every goddamn night. Why does Sid get Latang every fucking shift? So, yeah, and, and that's the easiest example to, to point the finger at. And it's not, it's not hard for players to go, well, I've done X, you've done Y, Really, I could go into management and say, fuck this guy off or I'm leaving, but I don't want Gino to do that because there's a very good chance Rutherford would do that. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, I just want to finish this long list of sadness. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Scott Wilson, Connor Sherry, Matt Hunwick, Carl Hagelin, Daniel Sprong. Not all good players, but the Connor Sherry one bugs me the most because you had a relatively good value depth player salary cap he was packaged with hunwick and they only got a fourth round pick because they had to undo the hunwick mistake but also they raced to use that money on jack johnson that's it's it's one of those things you look at these deals in isolation and they don't seem terrible but when you you intertwine them into what that move was used for it's just baffling you know, the, the whole Oscar Sundquist isn't much of a, a, a player in regards to he's not like a second-line centre or anything like that. 
But you go, so why are you upset about him? Well, it's because we lost the first round draft pick for him. And he ended up turning out okay. And you've been chasing your tail for a third line center. And you decided to give up on a guy. And again, I'm, I, when the trade was made, I was like Oscar Sundquist, whatever. So I don't want to be revisionist history on myself. But at no, the same time, you, were... you you did it for Ryan Reeves, so fuck off. Yes, that's that's the problem. It's the process behind the trade there that got them into the sticky situation where you had to go and try and find Bukestad. Or in Broussard prior, which... Well, was... yeah, yeah it, but the thing is, though, the, whole, the thought process behind the Broussard trade, I was okay with. Like, yeah, I've never we need really a third line. Yeah, it's like the Brassard idea was fine. It didn't work. I can deal with those sorts of things when it doesn't work. I don't think he really overpaid for it, but it starts to look like he's overpaid for things because you look at the cupboard and it's starting to get thinner and thinner and thinner. Oh, the cupboard shot. Yeah, and, and so every draft pick that you give away is of greater significance than what it would have been two or three years ago. And people will make the argument, well, you're in the window. You've got to go and, and spend them now. Yeah, but you can't throw them away like candy. And, and that's what's been going on. Yeah, there's got to be a plan for what kind of team you're building. And he's shown nothing since 2017 of a cohesive plan on what they want to do. Or maybe he has. It's been the opposite of what made them win the two cups, so even worse. Well, um, and, then, and that's the thing. That team is not his team. You know what I mean? Like that speed and skill team, he's changed them completely. He's gone for grit. He's gone for hard work. He's gone for a little bit push, of toughness. Push back. Push back. And it's like, no, that's not how you won. You're, the two cups you won, no one could keep up with you. The second cup you won, you had two goaltenders that played lights out because you weren't winning possession. And the forwards you won. played well. Yeah. It's, it's the whole yeah it, so I legitimately think that he's pulled apart something that was working purely to say this is my roster and you look at what his roster is and it looks a hell of a lot like the current Hurricanes while he was in charge charge yeah the Hurricanes that won the cup in 06 um, they fell apart and it's kind of looking that way um Fortunately yeah, he, for the Penguins, like the the door's not closed, closed, but the the room for error is not not good. And um, just quickly, I listed off all the things he traded out. Um, it's only fair to then. What came it. in? Come on, what came well, in? Well, the list isn't as long, so there's that. <laughs> all right, the second round pick they got from the Blues for the Ryan Reeves trade was some duster named Zach Lawson, who was one of those showed no ability to, to produce offense at lower levels of hockey. One of those pushback type of players. He's never going to be anything. Uh, fifth round pick, Justin Almeida. Well, your guess is as good as mine. Then <laughs> 2019 fourth round pick. So they have that coming up. Philip Hollander. Uh, some people are, you know, bullish on him. Marcus Pedersen. You know, Fine. People think he's going to jump into a top four role. Nope. I, I don't see nope, that. Nope, nope, nope. Bugstad and McCann. Okay. And Erica Branson. That's it. That's the list. And the thing that's worrying about that is Branson's bar was so low to jump 
that everybody's ecstatic that he's better than expected. <laughs> yeah, and I, I certainly gave him his credit for that. Um, no, I, I put my hand up in that, that as well, but you do get there and go, that bar wasn't high to jump, and he cleared it substantially, but it still only makes him a serviceable defenseman at whatever his salary cap is as a four, third line, third pair. Four. Oh, Jesus. When I okay. say that, it's like a bad golf shot. Four. <laughs> oh, um, my God. So... You'll notice that I don't have Derek Broussard on that list and a few other assets that you might be like, oh, wait, wait a second. Um, I only did, I didn't put the players in there that were net neutral that he brought in and moved out. Ah, oh, yes, I, Hagelin, yeah, Perrin. So, Broussard. There's that. So, really, it's not, um, not so you know how we, you know how we try and give him credit for fixing his mistakes, right? There's probably two things with that. Some of these mistakes he's had to fix. It's a lot easier to just not make them to begin with. Well, they're his mistakes. <laughs> I under, I understand that, but the whole the Ryan Reeves trade was a mistake, right? It was just flat out stupid. There's I no think the only to... reason he got out of that one though is because George McPhee really wanted Ryan Reeves for some reason. Yeah, and and Reeves has been much more productive for Vegas than he was in Pittsburgh, um, which, you know, rather than you go see, he can play. But it's like he wasn't going to fit what Pittsburgh were as a roster. And so you you look at that and the pro, the thought process behind that trade, for me, is more worrying than Well, it's a moment loss in of... Penguins history. It's when he, he turned on their identity. Yeah, and, you know, Sunquist is still in the, the playoffs on a very good roster, contributing offense in limited minutes, and you go, oh, geez, Pittsburgh could probably have done with that on the fourth line rather than Garrett Wilson or freaking Matt Cullen. Like, that, that's, that's the thing. Those sorts of decisions where general managers give up on youth for a perceived weakness on a roster that didn't fucking matter screws you around because you don't have that youth to come through and be paid under a million bucks. And they're the ones that you need to try and shuffle in and you need the draft picks that he's been throwing away to find those cheap-ass bastards to shuffle in. And, and you know... Yeah, because they don't have ELC guys ready to come in and that's, no. that's problematic. That yeah. That is the problem with wasting all of the futures in that list I gave you, not very long and not full of quality. Yeah, and and that's the that's the thing. You you do have to trade them away, right? In this window, but you've got to keep some of them, and you've got to hit on them. You can't go drafting defensive defensemen and hoping that they can get up to the NHL. You draft high skilled defensemen, and you hope that their floor well, to their is credit a, is last a, year they did with Kalen Addison. Yeah, but that's not been their history. No, and Addison's not going to be ready. Yeah. So the ones that the the three drafts ago, they should have just been drafting Connor fucking Hall. I remember I wrote an article about what a <laughs> piece of shit pick that was, and you gotta you gotta wait. And it's like the guy had like four points in like eighty games in the fucking queue. <laughs> yeah. Like what what are we doing here? Like you could get like ten points on accident in the queue. 
Yeah. Look, swing for the fences and hope you get a double. It's not... Don't don't hit for a double and then wonder why you got out at first. Like that's just, it's just stupid. Don't draft safe. Is that is that a cricket reference? Well, no, you're swinging <laughs> for the fences. Listen, you. I thought that was reasonably baseball enough. <laughs> sort of. Smartass. So, yeah, no, of course, fine. I'm giving you a hard time. Um, he's just. It's just frustrating to watch the tail end of what's been fabulous hockey to watch. Falling apart a little quicker than I expected. self and it's not be- too. it's not yeah, and it's not because the players are injured, which you know you could fully understand. Although Gino's struggling to get to sixty games, but it, it's it's not sort of player attributed. It's literally the management getting in the way of the players, and, and it's the last thing you want as a fan. Yeah, um, something else that I noticed for next uh, for this upcoming off season because. I mean, if you're going to go all in on the now and, you know, you want to make a splash with futures and get an impact player, yeah. I'm not saying that this is going to happen because I'll believe it when I see it. Offer sheets are a thing. Oh, you've got no draft picks to do it. Well, here's the problem. They, the Marc-Andre Fleury second-round pick becomes problematic for this option. So Rutherford's closing a lot of potential doors. Not that he would have necessarily walked through all of them, but you never want to close the doors on your own. So here's here's the compensation for um, an RFA. I believe it's around two million to four million is a second round pick. But then you get into that six million to eight million dollar range, where I think you could really press some teams that are out of space. At the very least, you're ratcheting up direct competitors cost yeah you can win without even getting the player so six to eight point one million is first second and third round pick they can't do that they don't have a second and eight million to ten million is first second and third not that they would necessarily have the cap space to go that high you know they're struggling with that themselves (laughs) um, because they have a trifecta of dog shit contracts in johnson goodbranson and hornquist that's twelve point five five million. Yeah, you're never going to get value out of those contracts. None of them. That's an eighth, a little bit more of the salary cap on just value. You're never going to get. Yeah, that doesn't seem um, smart. Like the Hornquist one, yeah, he's got five goals in the World Championships, and people are starting to like, oh my God, he's turning it around and. You know, I looked into it because, I, I mean, I'm not huge on the World Championship as a vessel for analysis, being that, one, it's small sample, and two, some of these teams are not exactly great. He, <laughs> he dialed up Norway and Italy for two goals apiece. So, I don't, know what you want me to, I don't know what you want Dev- me to do with that. Devil's in the detail. And he's playing with William Nylander and Elias Pettersson um, on the first line. And Sweden has a weirdly not strong forward team this year. Because that's that's how the World Championships go. Some years your players are like, yeah, we're going to take the summer off. Um, It also depends on, you know, the playoffs, the real playoffs. Yeah. uh, So... 
I just don't see it. Maybe he shocks me, but he's still not going to help with zone exits and zone entries and that kind of stuff. He's just going to be an end result kind of dude that sits in front and mashes at it. That's not $5.3 million worth of value. Um, The Johnson thing is what it is. Um, I don't really know what to do there. I would almost, I would, you know, bitching about trading futures for nothing and, and bitching at Rutherford for wasting stuff to undo his own mistakes. Um, it sucks that he would have to do it, but I, I would be fine trading that 21st pick to get Jack Johnson the fuck off this team because I think he's that damning to the product and pulling in such a wrong direction that no matter who they take at that 21 is not going to be as valuable as getting Jack Johnson off the damn roster. Well, he's at that point now where he doesn't have the lead time to wait for a first-round draft pick. Well, that's to, what I mean. And, and the yeah, 21st overall history is... Um, well, he's pushed himself to the point now where he's got no wait time. So, if... And you, you've said it before. It's almost like you just have to rip the covered bear now. You you have to just get there and go, well, I need to recreate this roster. There are going to be a couple of players that have to leave. The fear for me is that the wrong ones leave because it's too hard for him to try and get the others to go. So the ones that should that are, are easy to say, let's get them off the roster if we can, are you know, Johnson and Goodbranson because of their, their cap hits. And then all of a sudden... But then... They don't You've got have some... value because of their cap hits, and the no. one sucks at no matter what cap hit. Correct, but it's addition by subtraction with Jack Johnson. With Eric Goodbranson, you might be able to say, see, he can play. He did really well for us. I'm still a bottom-pairing Just... guy that can't move the Abs- puck and doesn't play to their I... strengths, but hey. Absol- absolutely understand that, but trying to a team where they might think that the strengths that he has... Florida! ...benefit. It will just get back to and that's fine. Um, I just I pulled up the list. I'm going to quickly rattle off the 21st overalls from... Oh, cool. Anton Volchenkov, Colby Armstrong, Anton Babchuk, Mark Stewart, Wolchtek, Wolski, Tuka Rask. <laughs> There's one. That's hey, okay. Yeah. But even he was traded he was by too. Toronto. <laughs> one of the worst <laughs> trades ever for Andrew Raycroft. Bobby Sanguinetti, Riley Nash, Anton Gustafson, John Moore, Riley Sheehan, <laughs> Stefan Newson. Mark Jankowski, part of the famous Jerome McGinley trade to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Frederick Gautier, Robbie Fabry, Colin White, Julian Gautier, Philip Cheadle, and Ryan Merkley. Do you hear any in there that are, like, screaming, oh, my God, let's keep this pick? And I get it. Just because former picks are bad doesn't mean the future ones have to be bad. But we are dealing with a probability thing here. It's funny. There are some guys in that list that are serviceable that would do well in your bottom six or or as your third pairing defenseman and you go that's great they don't have time to find out <laughs> they don't have time so i think you're right yeah burn a couple more wait draft- three years we- for a riley sheehan yeah we've got a i already had we've... one of those <laughs> yeah we can't wait any more as a as a franchise they have to go out and just commit to the thing that we were literally trashing him for doing for the last 25 minutes and burn them all. Burn them all for the now. Because I reckon this roster is its Well, burning them all for the now wasn't necessarily bad the last few years. It's He struck out. Yeah. That's the so problem. 
and now he's out of futures and now your hands are tied behind your back i'll be praying that his pda regresses back to the norm who's that rutherford rutherford i mean yeah yeah, if you want to see a good penguins team but um just you hear you hear about um phil kessel being the number one guy on tsn's trade bait thing and it's like well what does a phil kessel trade look like and we've been over this it's hard you need to find a win now team that is willing to give you a win now piece back so a true hockey trade also is phil going to accept that trade to that team and do they have the cap space to take him on and how do you replace phil's production because they are top heavy right now I love I love when you say this to me. You trade Phil Kessel, you don't have Phil Kessel. You trade Evgeny Malkin, you don't have Evgeny Malkin. Like it's it's one of those things that um, I always hear you say that in my head when I read stuff. <laughs> I mean, um, it's true. Is, you know that that's the thing. The simplicity of it is brilliant. You're exactly right. If you trade X, you don't have X. Yeah, you might get Y back, but it's like Peter Griffin much... on the Family Guy. You can have this boat, or you can have this mystery box. Well, the yeah. mystery box could be a boat. <laughs> it could also be a dead rat. <laughs> I forget what it was in Family Guy, but it did not end well for Peter. It was, he took the mystery box. It was it was not a boat. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's just, it's yeah. Like, you shouldn't fear trading players for the whole mystery box concept. That's not really my problem. My problem is... Evgeny Malkin has X amount of value in regards to what he provides your team. He's not going anywhere. But if you're going to trade him, you've got to get at a minimum that value back because not just what he does on the ice, but it's everything else around Evgeny Malkin that you have to try and make up for with whoever His comes His zone in. exits and entries are out of this world. So good luck finding somebody that can yeah. make players like Patrick Hornquist functional. Yeah, trade him. See how good Patrick Hornquist is when Crosby doesn't want him on his line. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like this team's not too far away from, you know, one, not getting swept in the first round, but two, doing a Boston. Swept by a team that got swept by a team who got swept. It got swept. So that means the Western Conference are going to win it in a sweep? Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> and it's going to be Joe Thornton on Boston home ice raising that cup. After he's got a hat trick in game No, four, four? goals. He's going to Oh, it's four goals. That's right. That's what I wanted. That's why <laughs> four goals. That's right. Um, He's going to put it in the cup on the ice. Boy, that get the ratings. I'll say that. <laughs> um, he could just retire after that. They can't hurt him at all. He probably would. Yeah. Um, shifting back to, to, to sorry. Castle, um, Sideways. I I did come up with a hockey trade that I think would work for all parties and. I think I've mentioned right. it here before, and that is P.K. Subban for oh, Phil yeah, right. and Justin Schultz. There's probably maybe a smaller piece from Nashville that would kind of throw the Penguins a little, because I don't think the value is, is totally lopsided there, but maybe a little bit. Um, Penguins, you know, there's a lot of talk of do they can they pay Justin Schultz's next contract? And I'm thinking, what the fuck has he done to go up from five and a half million? No, but it only takes another team. Like you said before about the offer sheet thing, it only takes one team to say, we'll pay Oh, he's you. a UFA, so he can do whatever yeah. he wants. 
Yeah, no, no, I realise that. But it, it only takes one team to say, we'll pay you six and a half. And he comes back to Pittsburgh and goes, well, I wouldn't mind staying, but can you give me six and a half? We'll he has you, no reason. We'll give you a four and a half. <laughs> yeah, he has no reason. He has no reason to take a hometown discount. He's no, not really he had a good run. Boys, it was so, a good time. Yeah. Um, but if you get Subban, you've got Subban for a long time. <laughs> three, three more years, and it's yeah. at nine million. Yes, high. But also, Justin Schultz at five and a half, I don't think is great value. Especially if you're just going to fuck him over with Jack Johnson. Well, that's asset usage, isn't it? I mean, that's that's the other problem. Well, that's what they're going to do to PK, right? It's going to be the exact same situation. He might be able to do a little more, but yeah. Um, PK Subban provides them a right-handed shot that could maybe... I, see, the biggest problem for me, Phil Kessel does an amazing job on their power play. Mm-hmm. And they would have to really redesign it without him because he does what I think are so many good things. He he drags the puck low, kicks it high. He really manipulates the two-on-ones and cross-ice feeds in a great way. I really love his work on the power play. Subban would do it differently, but he's a righty that could play um, on that side across from Malkin and uh, Sid and have Gensel and have Gensel and Sid down low, Malkin, Latang, and Subban up top. That wouldn't be bad. Um, for the Predators... You know, maybe they want to move on from Subban because they can't afford the $9 million for one player on defense. Um, Schultz provides a stopgap. They would let him go after this year because they have Roman Yossi to sign. Yeah. So they're not the, – the Predators do not lose win now. The Penguins get one of the hardest pieces to find, a, a really solid upper echelon right-handed defenseman. Oh, what do you know? They have two of them. That's awesome. And so I suppose the other thing that you could sell Nashville on with this is the fact that their power play was terrible. Well, it's been terrible. They they do such a shitty job with their personnel and how they I don't understand. I don't understand because it's been like that through. It's easy two to understand coaches. when you watch it. It sucks. Yeah, but it's like two different coaches. Like it was bad under Trotz and it's bad under Laviolette, and it's like you guys have talent there to do stuff like what is going on yeah they're (sighs) they're not very good um so phil gives nashville you know they need more punch up front and um pittsburgh actually saves 3.3 million and if they move somebody probably an olimata which I'm not. I've never been against trading Mata, but that was when his perceived value was higher than his actual value, and I think that ship has sailed. It's taken a bit of a clobbering. I would much rather, obviously, keep him and get Johnson off, but I, I don't, I don't see a path to that. But if you did lose Mata's four mil and you saved the three point three from the trade, there are some interesting UFAs on the market this year with Eberle. And Matt Zuccarello, and gosh, who's the other one? What if Jeff Skinner becomes available? Even though I think with the Kruger hire that we referenced earlier, it's probably a selling point for Skinner to stay as long as the money's fair. Could you have a crack at Truebar? No, he's an RFA. You'd have to trade for him. Uh, I kept thinking he was a UFA. It feels that way, right? Um, Gustav Nyquist was the other guy. Um. So you you do have a crack at a mid-tier winger. 
and you could manipulate the salary cap to get that. So you would add Subban, and let's. I think Zuccarello would be a hell of a penguin. So do I. It's just uh, give him his know. five mil or whatever five. Would you do it five by five? Because that by the time you get to the end, yeah, that fucking who cares at this point? <laughs> that that was exactly now the we're point at the point of no return. I mean, if you're going to yeah. give Patrick fucking Hornquist that money, why not give it to yeah. somebody who can actually help? Well, that's the that was why I was like, do it five by five. By the time you get to the end of that, the team's going to be a mess. This team's not going to be. Yeah, Rutherford ain't going to be around for it. He don't give a shit. Yeah, and they're not going to be good. Like, that's the it's reality like, is that... It's like John Davidson going all in with the Blue Jackets this year and then fucking bailing on him today to go to New York Rangers. Yeah, yeah, John, it's easy to go all in when you know you're not going to stick around for the bullshit. Yeah. That's tough now, trying to fix but, that um, You know, I've yet to see, and this isn't me just saying it because it was my idea, I've yet to see a hockey trade that matches up the, I've yet to see a Kessel trade that makes more sense. Well, like a specific you're, example. You're at least getting something back, and the other team is getting a need. Two needs. Yeah. Well, yeah. You're it's filling true. the void for the other team, but Subban probably more... Um, give you a few more good years and in a position well, the, of need for the Penguins. The, and Malkin would ha- actually have a defenseman who could move him the goddamn puck. So then you, your question there is, how do you fill the loss of the fill the thrill? Like, well, how do you that's fill the, that? That's the Zuccarello, the Everly, the Malkin. Yeah. And, and, it's, and you're it's not going to fill things... it to the to the castle extent. No, I'm not. I'm not asking for that because you've you've got more of Melkin back because he's got a defenseman that can get in the puck. So, so you're improving Melkin. Yeah. You, you've got two elite right-handed defensemen, and you know you're able to help the forwards much like you weren't able to do this year. And you're getting back to a team that can push play and skate. So. So my biggest concern there is that Subban's aggressive and Subban likes to take risks and Subban likes to go. Yeah, perfect good. for the type of offensive players they've got. Great. Not perfect for what this coach likes. Yeah, fuck him. Fire him. I, yes, but that's the, the thing. Like, say this came true and they got this on their roster, it would not surprise me at all if Subban ended up in the doghouse ASAP with that coach. Because Fire his ass. It's one of those. If he's got problems with all the good players, then it sounds like a problem with the guy. I know the team wasn't great in the sweep. Who was? Correct. And you know, I'm a bit behind in some of my podcast listening, and I just remember hearing Friedman say, "Oh yeah, they 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 should consider trading the tank." And I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" He's the only guy on that roster that can consistently move the puck and move it quickly. Yeah, he makes mistakes, but with the volume the puck's on his stick, of course he's going to make mistakes. His name was deservingly up for Norris consideration as a finalist. And Friedman said that himself. He said he was on my ballot. Like, he was on my my ballot. He wasn't in his top three, but he was on his ballot. But they've got to try and get rid of something to get, get something back. And... You know, as his time up in Pittsburgh, I reckon that I reckon he knows more. Well, quite clearly, he knows more about what's going on in that locker room than what has gotten out. And we've already got a fair 
bit out that's come out that said, well, not everybody's particularly rosy at the moment. And the national guys usually have a leg up on the local guys with this stuff. Yeah. For whatever reason. Or at least it used to be that way. Um, Rutherford plays a lot of people like a fiddle. Um, yeah, well, he's got one less fiddle to play now. His, his best fiddle player yeah, has, has left the, the beat. baseball beat. Man, uh, some the, of that stuff was just... Ugh. So I'm just... I'm legitimately curious to see... I'd, I'd love that trade to happen. I just can't Mind see Mind you, I am team. fine keeping Phil Kessel. I'm just... If, if Rutherford's dead set on moving Phil Kessel, which seems it. likely because TSN doesn't, you know, it, it's for eyeballs and clicks, but they wouldn't be putting Phil Kessel one without some fire. You know? Yeah, it's a little, there's a little too much smoke for my liking when it gets to that point. <laughs> so if you're going to move him, you better get something win now back. And I can't think of a better impact like you're getting an impact player back you can't the thing really for complain me, the thing for me there is it's great is that it's not it's not forward for forward do you know what i mean like no it Pittsburgh, wouldn't work for nashville they need a forward yeah and they've got a plethora of defensemen and, and schultz probably, will fit right in yeah and they probably feel like they need to balance out what they've got on their roster whereas pittsburgh can theoretically give up a fill because they do have malkin crosby Gensel that you know still produce offense on their own they just need Jared fucking McCann yeah God, Team Canada's continues. Jared McCann I hope he continues to improve like his performance came out of nowhere for me I really wasn't expecting what he provided shame he broke a rib um he, this team needs to get better at moving the puck in the back end Subban quite clearly you know, can do that. You know it's going to be funny when Jared McCann puts up halfway decent numbers and everybody's like, yeah, great trade, and like the numbers look similar to what Connor Sherry was putting up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's 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 the if you're going to be a fringe player on a a cup chasing team, being on a team like Pittsburgh is great because no one pays attention to you, and as soon as you start to look like you're going to score, no, a few they goals, play Malkin. <laughs> Well, that too. But as soon as you start to look like you're going to produce, you know, you're going to get, like, Brian Rust money and Connor Sheeran money. And then you can have that for a few years, then fuck off somewhere else, probably get overpaid and produce less because you're just not playing with the talent. Or so, or, or you're getting the other team's best. Yeah. So, this offseason is nuts. Because, was it earlier in the year where we, we both sort of said, it's a bit boring, because this team is what it is, and there's not really a lot they can do with it. Yeah, now there's well, this... there's a lot of creative, uh, there's a little bit of, to talk about. Um, yeah. It, it's it's a amazing little bit how failure does that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit disappointing that there's so much wasted money, because, you know, if they don't have the Johnson-Goodbranson contracts... And they just let Haglin's four mil drop off the table. Um, there's some cool things that could have been available with the, the different free agents that are available this year. Yeah, um, yeah. And they it's just, just lost the flexibility. Now they're going to move Mata, which again, 
I've been saying it for two to three years. Fine. But it's not going to be moving Mata when they should have to get value back. I will say this. And they're moving him when he's not one of the bottom left-handed defensemen on the team. It's it's difficult. It, the hardest part with a, a lot of being a general manager is knowing the right time to move an asset for your team. And Marta was looked at as a part of the future and at a really good valued contract back when you were saying... Back when he was should, a bottom pairing defender with Matt fucking Niskanen. Yeah, maybe you should move him now and you'll, you know, get some stuff back. And I mean, I'm glad I got to see Marta party. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but and Schultz. Yeah. But that's where the the tough parts of the asset management are. It's Can't mess up the mid-tier. The yeah. Is this the peak of this mid-tier player? If it is, can we trade him to get something back that's a little higher than mid-tier? Whether it's the same position or whether it's a conglomeration of Or someone of cheaper assets. and equal production. Correct. All those kinds of things. And you just you sit there at times and go... I it's that's not an exact science. That that is the whole. If you're really going yeah, to take it, yeah. But if you it, pull evidence, all evidence, which includes yes, that a word analytics, <laughs> it can guide you in a direction that increases your probability. Yeah, and and that's sort of always what we've sort of wished for on on the podcast. But you, they're the gut feel decisions that I don't think Rutherford gets right. And when people ask him questions, he goes, oh, it was a gut feel that made me do this. It's like, well, maybe you need to have a look at your freaking bacteria reading or something because he doesn't seem to time this stuff right for those sorts of things. Well, so if anybody in the main media in Pittsburgh would actually cover him objectively. Are they afraid they're just going to lose access? Like, I don't... Like, this isn't politics. This isn't high, you know high-level stuff that, you know, the country revolves around. But a little bit of accountability in the media is always nice because, like, no, you know, this we, we can't yeah. ask the questions. This isn't, you know, letting women get raped and not allow them to have abortions. Oh, God, that is so depressing. Um, anyways, I don't want to go there. But, yeah, it's not quite those stakes, no. No, but some accountability would be nice. Like, are they afraid they're going to get denied access? I mean, well, it makes your job they, easy when you get the the quotes and everybody's going to click to get the quotes. Like that's the, the job. Um, you know, I don't really find value in a lot of quotes, and that's why I don't really use them all that often, except for like bigger moments. You can say what you will about Rob Rossi in regards to he might have just enjoyed being a heel, but he did at least try to ask questions that you go, you know what, that does need to be answered. Yeah, Rob. Um, I've taken my shots Rob's way. And um, it's too bad because I think he had a real talent for it and he took the heel turn a little bit too much. Yeah. Um, and it cost him it cost him his reputation big time. Like, he did great work for a while there, leading up to yep. Yager Watch and stuff like that. I don't know what happened, but he has the talent to be good. I don't think people are willing even if he were to switch back, willing to listen to it. And, um, you know, Jason Mackey, um, you know, not a personal attack on his 
um, as him as a person, but his work as a beat writer was transparently obvious he was getting worked over by Rutherford. And maybe he's a baseball fan, so it worked out for him. You know, yeah, I mean, obviously, hey, go, if that's what you... um, I have no problem with people going for what they want, and uh, I I actually mean it when I say congratulations that he got the Pirates gig because if that's the path he wanted and he got it, that's that's really good. Um, but I'm I'm also going to be fair in assessing that you know when you have that kind of microphone in that market and it makes it really difficult for people to get the actual what's really happening when it's propaganda really and he probably doesn't feel this way but he was used as propaganda yeah no, no, no he was he was used as the mouthpiece it, it's it's just one of those things where giving that access and just allowing straight quotes without asking more about the the quotes just you just end up being a a microphone i mean a, and, the true beat writer is just information gathering and passing along but when when you drop into analysis as the beat writer i think you're you're more than fair to get criticized and uh his analysis wasn't even close to being objective no like i get shit wrong we two bats a thousand um well certainly not me (laughs) Not me, not anybody, not any of the brilliant minds that we talked about earlier that have been hired from teams, but damn it if they aren't right more than they're wrong. And, you know, I try and I try to use evidence. And I don't really use... I think my advantage is not being close to the team. I think there is an advantage to that because it doesn't become a personal doesn't become personal at all it becomes just a a, you well as objective as a human being can be and you know it's why my work uh some people don't care for it and they have that right and i don't really get too upset about that um there's you know i wouldn't I, i don't want anybody to to read my work and be angry that they're reading it like like don't read it don't make yourself yeah. angry on on my account no, but at the same you. time i don't see too many people like you know maybe sometimes it's overly negative but some of the shit this year was pretty negative and that's that's how it was and i think you got a gm that squandered a a head start when he got the position had a really great head start most gms that start the gig are chasing crosby malkin and Latang, and he started with all three and two decent goalies i'll be <laughs> didn't even have to chase a goalie yeah <laughs> For... i'll be curious to see when this all bottoms out like i was really lucky like i got to watch this right from the start like from the flurry draft and and on I got to sort of watch all of this build and grow as a young adult. When this goes south, I'm going to be really curious to see how closely I watch Pittsburgh as opposed to the amount of time I spend watching the league as a whole. Because 
like the general manager will be different, but it'll be really curious to see how they go about trying to build the team back into being a contender. So, you know, it's been a it's been really, really fun the last fifteen years watching all of this happen. <laughs> it's just a question of how bad is the tail end of this little window gonna be. Okay, so our internet connection decided to cease working for the day. Um, we're pretty far into this, so I think we'll uh, we'll just call it a day. I want to thank everybody for being patient with our three-week hiatus. Um, we're very grateful for those that um, for those of you that tune into the podcast. So thank you for listening. Uh, iTunes reviews are appreciated, as are the Facebook likes. So um, thank you again, and we will see you next time. <laughs>